Good evening. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, and we are setting the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is into action, and we are discussing step nine, and our speaker tonight is Diane. Thank you, Diane. Take it away. Hi, thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Diane. I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. I am a retread. I came in um, when I was about 20 um, and uh, got abstinent right away. I'll go back to the beginning and then came back in. I got a sponsor for about five seconds, was abstinent from bulimia and was, a, as they say, dry drunk for about 16 years and I've since come back in again and I've been um, free from bulimia for the last 16 years um, and I'm so grateful to this program. So just before we get to step nine, I'll give you um, some history. I um, originally am from New York. I live in California and have lived here since I came out to go to school here and um, grew up in a very um, a chaotic household. Um, a lot of, uh, there was emotional abuse, physical abuse. Um, and from the get-go, from very young, I always felt like something was wrong with me. I really did. I felt uncomfortable at a really young age. I can remember like three or four, just like, just like a dis-ease with myself. I felt not pretty enough, not smart enough, or was so aware of our standing and our um, financial standing. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and anorexic. My mom was a compulsive overeater and a phenomenal Al-Anon. And um, I have two sisters and it was just, our house was on the outside, it looked great. We all were told, you know, my what I believed is it doesn't matter how you feel, it's how you looked. That was what was, you know, whatever happened behind closed doors, it happened. And we opened the doors and it was like, we were, you know, the five of us were just perfect. Um, so far from it on the inside, but that's, you know, that's, that's what I learned is, you know, suit up and show up, not the way that I learned it here, but just keep your mouth closed, keep secrets, you know, quiet, don't talk about it. And um, I learned to, to, you know, push down my feelings. And at a really young age, food became, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with sugar. I was obsessed with food. My parents, um, I don't know what it was. I mean, I love my, I, I, I struggle with my parents, but I love my parents and they did the best that they could. But my mom was really depressed. Um, we didn't have like, you know, they were sort of forward- thinking that we, you know, they were like whole foods before it was whole foods. So all I wanted was like snacks and candy. And we had, you know, our candy that we had was black licorice. Consequently, I named my dog licorice. Um, I named my other dog Coco. You know, I, I was, you know, I played Candyland, you know, by myself, just looking at all the different things where I could slide down and all the gumdrops. And, you know, I'd go to Disneyland and we came out, my, my, we had family out here and I would just like want to sit and watch chocolate be made. And the, I, I was obsessed. Um, and it was, it comforted me. It, it made me feel like that warm blanket that I think we all look for, you know, the love that for whatever reason, I didn't feel like I was getting, or I was a burden and food gave me that solution very early on. 
um, through puberty, I developed really um, quickly and I was very young and um, I couldn't, like, I just wanted to get small. I wanted, I didn't want to, I didn't want anything for reasons, um, you know, to, to be a woman. I, I wanted, you know, I wanted a Kate Moss body and I didn't have it. Um, and that's where the bulimia came in about 13. Um, I had gained weight and that was unacceptable. You know, I knew it was unacceptable to my dad um, who weighed less than I did when I was 13. And um, I read a book and it talked about bulimia and I just thought like I had discovered the best thing ever. So I proceeded to probably throw up about five to 10 times a day for about uh, 10 years, every day all day long. And what that does is now I realize like I, my development was just arrested. My social development, everything was arrested. I, you know, I had like, I wouldn't say they were friends. They were like, um, I owned them and I was mean and I was miserable and I couldn't, I didn't know how to socialize. I didn't know how to date. And how can you, when you like are living a double life, like I go to school, I come home, I throw up. Thank you. I'd, you know, go out to lunch in high school and then wouldn't show back up at school because I had eaten too much and I went home and th threw up. And it's, you know, compulsive overeating, bulimia, anorexia, it's just, it's soul crushing. Like it is so soul crushing to it. You know, we're not like AA people. I mean, I'm not an alcoholic, but like they're more fun. You know, most people that I know and I know, believe me, I know a lot of alcoholics. It's not that much fun. It's not, but you know, they're, they're more social. Um, and um, I was scared of people. I was just scared to death of people. I was scared to death that people would like find out like what a, the secret that I had and that I was just like a charlatan. And I didn't, you know, I just didn't know what I was doing. Like everyone had gotten this book about life and I didn't. And I was embarrassed and um, self-conscious and, you know, the bulimia took care of that because when I was eating and then getting rid of it, I didn't have to think about any of that. And it worked. And um, I came out to go to school in California. I um, say this every time I came out, went to a school that was the largest school in the country. And I didn't talk to anybody. When I tell you, I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't make any friends. I didn't do any work. I don't know what I look back and I, I just like, I don't know what I was thinking, but you know, I I've worked the steps and I know that what I want is like, I want to be able to know how to do everything before I can do it. I want to be like, know how, if I start a job that like, I should know everything. I shouldn't have to learn like at school. I just didn't work at school because I thought I should just know it. Like I should just be smart. So I just took myself out and I have four children who work three worked really hard in school. And like, I watch them and go, oh, that's what you do. Like you work for something. Like you want to get a good job or you want a career, like you work for it. And I don't know, like what happened that that, like I missed the page on that. And you know, part of it was parenting, but part of it was just me. Like, I think I was just, I think I was born a compulsive overeater and, um, a, you know, coupled and thruppled with my parents and my home life. It was just a perfect storm. And um, 
you know, bulimia was, was the solution and it worked because I, you know, at different points I was suicidal, you know, I was suicidal. I didn't know how to get help. I wanted it from, you know, every day I'd wake, you know, go to bed saying, I'm not tomorrow. I'm not going to do it tomorrow. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to throw up. I'm, I'm not going to do it, but I had no tools. I, I, you know, so, you know, as we get into interaction, into action, you know, that's what I needed. And I didn't, thinking is not an action. It, it is not a tool and nor is it an action, but I thought a lot, like I can think morning, noon, and night. And I did a lot of thinking about, I wish, and I, I thought, and it's this fault. And if only this, and if only that, and, um, you know, as compulsive readers, when, you know, I think we're pretty amazing people. I mean, I really do. I think most of us, you know, do a lot with, you know, with a lot of character defects and we, you know, you know, I had a full life. I mean, I had an absolutely full life, kids, a job, a house, you know, all the things that on paper, I thought like, that's all I want. You know, if I just, you know, get married. So, you know, I sort of manipulated into getting married at a young age. I just want to be married young. I wanted kids. Then I had one kid without asking my husband, by the way, like didn't even discuss having kids with him. I was like, whatever I wanted, I wanted, I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. Two kids, three kids, four kids. By the fourth kid, I was like, I made a mistake and I love my son very much, but like I was overwhelmed and realized, okay, this isn't working. The job didn't work. The kids didn't work. The money didn't work nothing worked because nothing changed. There was no action on my part. I just kept on adding things that I thought on the outside were going to somehow fix this big, huge hole I felt on the inside and nothing worked. Um, it worked for like five minutes, you know, maybe. And then I was on to the next thing. Shopping, you know, I, you know, my thinking, and I just say this because like someone said to me when my kids were in elementary school, like you never wear the same, thank you, shirt twice. And I was like, I'm never going to wear the same shirt twice. Like, and we didn't even have money to like, but I was going to, you know, that's what I globbed onto. That's what was important. If someone noticed me, I wanted to be noticed. I wanted to be revered. I wanted to be, my ego was so big and my self-esteem was so small and it, I kept doing things that like fed on that and like was my fix. But what happens in program, most of us is, you know, it's what it talks about in the jails, institutions and death is what, you know, eventually I think OA, you know, eating disorders much slower and painful, you know, you don't go down as fast, but you go down. And I wound up in a, after my fourth child was born, I wound up in a, um, I was addicted to, I don't need to hydrocodone or whatever it was after. And it wound up, um, my life just about came undone. I had a great job and my husband who has addiction in his family came undone. I had four little kids and I was like at a treatment center being checked in with like all my work that I hadn't done. Um, because, you know, you can't count on a can't count on an addict to do anything. You know, I was always like a day late and a dollar short and just, you know, trying to get it, trying to just stay one step ahead, which we're good at. And when I came out of, when I was in there, a woman said to me, you know, 
you might you might be a drug addict, but you have an eating disorder. And that's how I came back to program because I was thinner at that point and I'm pretty lean, but I was, you know, um, when I had my last child, this is the best way to describe it. I I weighed less when I was nine months pregnant than I weigh now. And I loved it. Someone said, you looked like I finally like was anorexic, you know, forget the fact my child could have been, you know, I didn't care. Like that's what happens to my thinking is like, I don't think straight. Like it's, I look back and go like, I was whacked out. I don't even know how, I don't know how I got up in the morning and like did everything I had. I just kept adding layers and layers and layers and layers. And then it fell apart. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like talk about on your knees. And I was like, I walked into program OA that I didn't want to be at. I'd gone to NA and I know we don't talk about other programs, but that got me back to OA, which is really my, my program. It's my, it was from when I was three and I didn't want to be there. And I walked in and, you know, people were speaking and telling, and I was like, no way I wouldn't talk about anything. I didn't know how to say my name. I didn't know how to, it took me so long to just raise my hand and say, I'm Diane, I'm a newcomer. And somebody called and I said, you know, I'll sponsor you, send me your food. And I was like, holy shit, you have to be kidding me. I'm not sending anyone, you know, that's, I'd rather be naked and I would never want to be naked in front of anyone. But um, so I didn't leave, but I didn't get a sponsor. And when I finally got a sponsor and started working the steps imperfectly, so imperfectly. Um, that's when I started to begin, and we're talking about almost 17 years ago, to begin to just get that. I look at my disease as like claws on my back and they just hang on for dear life. And I, you know, it's comfortable. You know, I like having that on my back. I like to like, you know, suffering to me is so much more comfortable than like not suffering. And, you know, that's what I'm dealing with my life now. There's not, it's like, it's good. And now what, you know, let's not, you know, and now is to not cause any drama and to, you know, keep moving forward because I'm not graduating from here. So um, I came into program and I started working the steps slowly. And I mean, I thought I was like constitutionally incapable. I thought I'd never be able to speak, not couldn't share, couldn't I just looked at everyone and thought, you you don't understand because I think I am terminally unique that like I feel things more than any of you do. It's how I feel. You don't understand, like I just, you know, you don't understand how uncomfortable it is for me to speak. You don't understand how difficult it is for me to go to social situations. You don't, you know, I just felt like you all had it and I didn't. And again, I felt like you know, how can this be? And, you know, in this chapter, it talks, you know, I began to take action, tiny actions, esteem building actions, baby, baby steps, raise my hand every meeting and said, I'm new, raise my hand. Thank you. Um, You know, started doing, started working the steps, which is the secret sauce of this program. It is, I believe in all the tools. I use all the tools, but you got to be working the steps because if you work the steps, they'll work you, you go, you know, I'm on my third time around it just, and each time something new comes up and I want to speed up because I took direction and 
I didn't want to take direction. And I realized I'm not God, which my whole life, I thought I was God. I thought I knew the answers to everyone's why I had so many kids like to tell them what to do. I know nothing. And the most important thing is, you know, I do believe in a higher power. I do believe everything happens for a reason. And that takes care of the good and bad. You know, if something that doesn't go my way, it's because God's, you know, and I believe that now. I'd say I believe it 92% of the time. Um, and, um, you know, it's on the concept of, uh, you know, to address your meeting, it's like, as long as it wasn't me, and it was as long as it was someone, it was my sponsor for a long time, it was the fellows for a long time, and little by little, slowly, I just started to talk and to learn to talk and doing the action steps, a step four, which is an action, writing the inventory and a step five and being able to, I had so much shame about so many things that I had done, not the least of which was binging and purging my entire life. But like, you know, there was every, there was, you know, a trauma and incest and that I never talked about. And I just held it in thinking about it for years and that just kept it going. And when I talked about it and I told my sponsor and she didn't like, look at me like I had, you know, she gave me a hug and she said, I loved you, love you. And then we went on and did other things. So this was the first person I had actually talked to because I've been to therapy, never, never talked about anything. They talked about that in the earlier sections and into action, you know, we're sneaky. Um, and when I felt loved, I felt loved and I feel loved in these rooms and I never felt that. And, you know, on the outside world, I don't know about any of you, like it's scary out there sometimes. I mean, I was scared of everything. I'm no longer, you know, I know that I can do anything. I can walk through anything. Um, and, you know, we, we have to, we take action. It tells at the end of the book, what we do, you know, you do a step, a step eight and nine, write it out. You don't have to do anything, but it gives direction. It's this book tells you what to do in your life. If you want it to get better, might not be when it might not have been when I wanted it to get better, but it was when God needed it for me to get better. It took a long time because let me tell you, if my life got good, all of a sudden I've been out of, out of here. I mean, I was the first time around, you know, I stopped throwing up, but that didn't do it because I have a life problem. Um, and, uh, you know, it tells at the end of the day, you know, what to do in the morning upon awakening. I do a 10 step every night. I, you know, hold service. I have um, service positions at meetings and I always have. And the promises have come true. And I tell you this, my husband and I have been married for 32 years. At the beginning of pandemic, we separated. We should have separated. We probably should have never gotten married, but we finally, you know, it was like, for me, it, I have to be in excruciating pain to affect any kind of a change to do anything. And finally, I was in enough pain and I walked out and it was both of us. And I worked hard because that's what I've learned in these rooms, that nothing is going to come to me by just sitting, thinking and hoping and wishing to the birthday God that my life's going to change. I have to take an action and it doesn't have to be huge actions, but it has to be consistent ones. And that's what I've been taught here. I, you know, I can count on myself. I can book a meeting two months before and know that I'm going to be there the day of. I, I couldn't count on myself. Others can count on me. And slowly we begin to build, you know, our self, our self-esteem and respect. And when we begin to respect ourselves, then we can 
respect others. And it's just the most miraculous program. And I've seen it with sponsees and other fellows. And I just, you know, I feel like I won the lottery. I mean, I really do. I would do anything for OA. I'd do anything for anyone. And um, I am just so grateful. I am grateful that Kaylee asked me to lead. And um, I think that's my time. Am I done? Thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Diane. That was amazing. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter Into Action and Step 9 um, being studied this week. We ask you to accept the guidelines in order to keep this meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and I will call on the raised hands in order, and um, the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Who would like to begin? Oh, Kristen, you're up. Hi, I'm Kristen, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so I have to say that I almost didn't come tonight because I've been out of town and my hotel was had a ghost in it and the lights kept coming on and off in the middle of the night. And um, so I'm exhausted, but I have to say that that share, wow, you have my number because I just, I wrote down and put in the chat that thinking isn't an action or a tool because I think that it is. I think that it is. I think that, you know, and it's not, it's not, it's uh, like an old timer used to say in my home meet in my meetings in Houston, figuring it out is not one of the steps. <laughs> it's not one of the things we have to do. And I just appreciate everything you had to sh share so much. It, I, it really, I'm really glad that I made it to the meeting and um, I did want to share about my step nine because hopefully someone can learn from it. Um, I, the first three times I went through the steps, I didn't do step nine. I lied and said that actually I didn't actually, no one ever said, have you done this? And I said, uh, oh yes, yes, I have. I just never, you know, told the truth. Uh, I sidestepped it. And I kept relapsing. And then this time that I've gone through the steps, I've done step nine and I'm a lot better for it. And um, one of my character defects that I am acting as if I'm willing to have removed, I've just started doing a, a six and seven deep dive study with my sponsor in another program and is a self-seeking. It's a huge thing for me. I want people to think that I'm awesome all the time. And I want to do things that make people think I'm awesome. And doing the ninth step is the opposite of that. It's the, it's the exact opposite of that. I mean, the only upshot might be, oh, she's awesome for apologizing to me for that horrible thing she did. <laughs> but that is not how it went in my experience. So, um, so anyway, uh, do the ninth step. It's hard. It sucks. But it, I, it was not as bad as I was afraid of. 
no one like threw things at me and spat at me. So I think that was for newcomers or people who are starting this step. Don't put it off for seven years like I did. And, uh, and um, it's not as bad as it sounds. And for some reason, people talk about being afraid of step four and five. I was never, I got to talk about myself. It was fantastic. I was afraid of step nine from day one, from day one. So anyway, um, thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Kristen. Allie, you're up. Hi, everybody. I'm Allie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, thank you, Diane, for your share. Thank you, Eileen, for your service. Um, I'm, this is my first OA meeting in a really long time. And um, I'm back from a relapse. And everything you said, Diane, about how binging and purging just like kills your soul. I just, like I could feel like my bones. I'm just like, I know, I know. And I'm in a lot of pain and thank you for listening to me and hearing me. Um, and into action, you know, I wanna get better. But wanting to get better isn't gonna get me better. Um, I thought that I was healed after I worked the steps the first time and I'm not. Um, there's this meme of this old lady on a phone and it's like a state farm commercial. And she's like, Jimmy, the insurance rates, blah, blah, blah. And I was like making memes today and, or I was like labeling it myself. And the lady goes, God says, oh man, what did I say? Um, God says, get out of the driver's seat. And um, yeah, I thought that I could just keep working a different program, you know, um, but I'm so powerless and it, it scares me. Um, all this work, I'm like, how am I going to have time to do a 10th step every evening? How am I going to have time to, you know, do all these things? And like, I've done OA in a rigid, rigid way. And it felt like it broke me. Um, I felt like I was just like an anxious dry drunk white knuckling woman um and so i'm here to have a new experience and i'm so grateful um my sponsor told me about this meeting and um i think that's all i have to share thanks for listening thank you ali we're glad you're here um denise Europe. Wow, that was fast. Sorry. I wasn't expecting it so fast. I'm Denise Compulsive Overeater. Um it's I thank you, Diane. Thank you everyone for this meeting. I um, you know, Wednesday is a like, you know, the hump day. And I I actually started a meeting on a Wednesday, but I I I I don't go to that meeting anymore. And um but what rang true to me tonight and I think is a big part of the ninth step are the secrets, you know, the secrets that your family keeps, the secrets that Diane spoke about, the secrets that, you know, you don't want to tell anybody and you're, you know, 
So I've just done, I've just redone my fourth step. Well, my fifth step with um, a sponsor that I, <laughs> I've gone around the world and come back to this sponsor. And the reason that I'm back with her is because she sees the focus as God and not as the food. And I find that, that it, it's so difficult for me to, I, 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 it's so easy. It's not difficult. It's so easy for me to stay unfocused on what my purpose is by getting focused on, oh, I have to put the food down or, oh, I am eating this or, oh, I'm not eating this or whatever it is. There's just so much mishigash. You know, there's so much crap in there about, you know, dieting versus abstinence versus blah, 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 blah. And I just um, have been in a place of rebellion because I was, I felt like I was breaking out of a, of a, you know, of jail, but I, this is the last house on the block for me. I can't do anything else. It's ruined any kind of eating I might want to do for me because I get more satisfaction and more help and more love as you so aptly put it in this room, the first day that I walked in, I, I never felt like I always felt since the age of three, I always felt like I was, you know, a pariah in my own family. I was always different than everybody else. I had the only birthday in December. Everybody else had their birthdays in the spring, everything, but, but mostly being obsessed with the things that I couldn't have and and keeping secrets because I was going for those things. And I find myself when I focus on the food again, I go right back into those secrets. It's like, you know, it's just that child in me that wants to, that forbidden fruit. And it's so um it it it's so um it's 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 a it, it, anyway, the ninth step. Um thanks. Um Thank you for letting me share. Thanks. Thank you, Denise. Um, before we move on to Sally, um, Liz, will you please stop the recording at this time? Thank you. <laughs> 